The following program may contain coarse language, violence, nudity, mature subject matter, or scenes which may not be suitable for all viewers. Viewer discretion is advised. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. My email address is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, Facebook, Twitter, and every other social media site, Exxon Radio TV, and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Back by popular demand, our opening song that we had for 20-some-odd years, The Wonders Doing That Thing You Do, is back, as you, the Exxon Nation, had requested. So there you go. I want to thank you very much for your input. And we're happy that we can, you know, just... 
help you guys out. If you want that thing you do as our intro song, you've got it. After all, you are the Exxon Nation. My first guest tonight is going to tell us a personal story. Two close encounters. We're going back to August 2011. August the 18th and August the 27th. We're going to Oregon. We're going to hear from Chris Brown about two encounters that he had, two separate times, different craft. We're going to hear how these sightings continue to haunt him two years later. He's searching for answers, Exxon Nation. So far, he hasn't been able to find any explanation of who they are, what they were, where they came from, why him? Not only was he involved, but his son was involved. His son is 11. Now, two years ago, he was nine years old. This is a sighting story that you rarely hear. Chris contacted us earlier today, and we had to bring him on because we want him to tell his story. And hopefully, someone out there in the Exo Nation will be able to give Chris some answers. Some answers that will shed light at the end of the tunnel to this haunting that he's been going through for the past two years. We have to take a two-minute commercial break, Exxon Nation, but when we come back, we're going to be speaking to my first guest tonight, Chris Brown from Oregon, and he's going to tell us about his two very real, very personal Close Encounters on August the 18th and August the 27th, 2011. Here's a little bit of information. We scoured the internet for any news reports of this sighting. None. We went to the National UFO Reporting Center to see if there had been any reports made. None. One thing is for certain. Chris Bull saw something. He's not the only person who saw these and will hear his chilling, haunting, and compelling story when we come back from this commercial break here on the Exxon. Because, Exxon Nation, this is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Chris Brown is my guest from Oregon on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as we continue from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. 
Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. disease that you would like to alleviate through a natural means? Have you been contacted by angels, ghosts, or even extraterrestrials and want to validate these experiences? Or would you simply like to speak with someone who can help you find your life's purpose? I'm Dr. Joseph Mara, and I'm offering my services free of charge for first-time clients contacting me during the month of April. These free consultations include angel card readings, guided meditations, life coaching, and energy healing. If you have always wanted to explore these types of experiences but were skeptical or simply could not afford them, then take advantage of this free special offer. Contact me through my website, agatinglight, spelled L-I-T-E, dot com, to schedule your consultation today. Until then, I offer you love, light, and laughter. All right, Exonation. Chris Brown is our special guest of this first hour of tonight's show. We're going to be talking to Chris from his home in Oregon. Now, this is why I say that the Exon is a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. What you're about to hear is going to blow you away. No two ways about it. I'd like to tell you that Chris is in his 40s. He is uh, he's disabled. He suffers from epilepsy. And Chris, welcome to the Exxon. Great talking to you again, Chris. And Hi, how are you? I, I'm doing great, thank you. Thank you very much for coming back and for share, you know for for wanting to share your story with the Exxon Nation. So what I'd like to do, Chris, is I'd like to go back in time to the evening of August the 18th in the year 2011. And take us through the events that led to your first sighting. It was 
uh, about nine o'clock, I would say eight fifty. I had to go out and water my yard. I started off with my um, garden in the backyard. Uh, it was ten or it was eight fifty when I walked out in the back because the time was on the on the oven. I watered probably mm, ten minutes the garden. And then I think the Chris, Chris I, I'm going to have to stop you because your your phone is muffled and we're having a hard time hearing you. Okay, all right. Um, can you speak a little louder, please? Yeah, can you can you hear that better? Uh, a little bit. Um, can you put the the speaker closer to your mouth? Maybe that would help. Yeah, let me hey, let me try that. There, that's perfect. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah. All right. So go on with your story. It was. It was better. Yes, much better. Okay. Perfect. Uh, So I have a long hose. So I went and pulled the hose around Mm -hmm. uh, to my front yard, and I had to pull it way out to get the kinks out. I wound myself in the middle of the road, and about that time, it maybe could have been around. Uh, nine nine o'clock straight up, and when I pulled the hose out, and I have fields all around me, and I noticed the field straight on the street, uh, straight in front of me, I noticed some blue and red lights. They were real scattered. Uh, didn't really take it in. Kind of just con- uh, continued to water. Um, I have hedges, right, real big ones, so I couldn't see the the field as I'm watering. I watered that side of the yard probably, oh, 15, 20 minutes, and I went to go pull it back, the hose again, to do the second half. And it was a little bit darker then. I'd say maybe it was about maybe 9.20. And when I pulled it back, it just caught my eye. Uh, Out in the field was uh, this gigantic craft, a UFO disc. It it was if I if I had to put a size on it, it the size of an aircraft carrier. It's about the only thing I could I could measure it up to. Mm-hmm. It was um, maybe about a mile from me, I would say, from the distance. It was sitting behind a small little outline of trees. It, uh, trees, maybe the outline I would say, maybe three hundred feet. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of sits in the little valley behind that, so you can't really see anything, but. This huge glass dome was really, really what, what caught me, uh, covered the swamp, the whole outline of the trees. And, I mean, that was so big, I just really didn't grasp how big it was. And Okay, now, when you, when, you, on, so when, I just, when you say the dome covered the trees in the swamp, are you talking about the dome on top of the UFO? The dome on top, yeah, the dome on top okay. of the, the craft. All right. Yeah. It was a big, it looked like a glass dome, really. Uh, and um, I, if I had to put a size on it, I, I, could on, I could only go to about maybe 300 feet. It was, it was huge. And it, so I just dropped the hose. I threw the hose over in the yard. It wouldn't be in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. And just was just, oh, my God. First, you know, you look at it, and like people say, you really. I rubbed my eyes and thought, this just isn't happening. And it was obviously clearly it was happening. So, um, 
I really looked at it a little bit more, and that's when I kind of seen it kind of start to move a little bit. And then that's I looked at it kind of a little bit more like, wow, I was kind of really wasn't quite sure because it just moved a little bit. And then all of a sudden, um, it's real. It, it, it's difficult to talk about still. Um, just for a second, this uh, things got real blurry mm-hmm. and like a um, kind of like a everything looked real kind of purplish and blue. And it felt like my stomach felt like uh, I was going on a roller coaster. You know, you know, you get that that feeling in your belly. Where you, you get down the real steep part of it, and it it was real warm. It kind of felt good in a way, but I, oh my God, I said that in my head, like right. because it just was. I felt it taking me in, mm-hmm. and then it stopped. And then, well, it was such a moment. I I didn't sit there and and concentrate on. Oh, wow. How did I, you know, I just was just still caught up in the moment. So I had my iPod and I ran down to the stop sign to go. And then that's why I noticed it moved uh, three times. And uh, I had my iPod. I have it on the ground. I'm trying to hold my one finger to hold it in place to push the, the, the video record uh, button on it. My hands were shaking so hard, it was, I practically missed the whole sighting on that, trying to get that going. So, um, I just gave up. And then that's when I went and, and I put it in, and that's when I seen it move the three times. And then it moved on the third time, it moved away down east toward, uh, toward the mountain. And then that's when I kind of found myself looking up and running back to my, um, driveway thinking I can see open open area but I got trees all around me because I'm in Oregon and as I was running back I looked up in the sky and that's where I seen well you would have thought if if it had just was sitting there and not moving you would have thought it was a star and it went flying in the air I mean it was it was going fast and uh it was in space it wasn't in the air it was in space and uh so I was, whoa. So then I'm out. Then I pull out my, my pot again because I'm so darn trying to get the, uh, this thing videoed, you know. Mm-hmm. And once again, I couldn't figure it out, and I just gave up. And then that's – I was standing in my driveway, and then that's when I looked up, and there was a um, – well, it was a smaller craft, and it went over the neighborhood – Oh, I couldn't say exactly in feet how high, not real high, and it went over neighborhood. We have no fly zone over our neighborhood, and so well, why is that? It went over. Pardon me. Why is there no fly zone? Uh, we have a um, a uh, airport, a military uh, airport, just fourteen miles from me. So, and so they have a lot of a lot of planes, and so they'll always go on. A, they'll always kind of go on their pattern. So, so, go and so this they come out. And, all right. So this UFO encroached on uh, restricted airspace. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they don't fly over neighborhoods. Okay, go on. So, okay, and uh, then that's when I noticed the smaller craft, uh, and um, it went over the house, and as it went over. Uh, my dog was in here, and he—I could hear him mm-hmm. from out there. He made a rah, 
noise while all the dogs in the neighborhood were all barking and barking. It went over to uh, about a block down over to uh, a friend of mine's, and they live right on the corner, right where there's fields all around, and they have a few dogs. And it sat kind of above their place, and all their dogs were barking. And then it kind of got bright, and then it was just gone. And that was that was the first sighting. So my wife was shortly after that came home, and of course I was telling her, and she was kind of wow, you know, in shock. She didn't really know too much what to say. And um, so I had been out there waiting for it. I had actually walked the block and hoping to see people that maybe had seen it, you know, because mm-hmm. it was just so it wasn't real late. It was so big. So I thought, well, gosh, you know, somebody had to have seen that, you know? You would think but so. But I couldn't find anybody. And so I had been out there uh, for 11 days straight with my camera. I had my camera running with the strap on my wrist, waiting for it to come back. Uh, I, I've been praying pretty much every night for it to come back because, you know, I wanted to get the Pixie course, you know, the typical, you, you know, the, the dream encounter course with the camera and mm-hmm. the video. And so it was uh, the 26th. It was late. We were up watching movies. Movies got done at about, I would say, 11.50 uh, p.m. on, it was a Friday night on the 26th. And so... After it was over, I wanted to go out and try to get out and do some sky watching just for a little bit and water my yard. Mm-hmm. And um, so I drug my boy out there, and we went out there. We watered for, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe ten minutes. Right. And he was want he was wanting to go in, and I, I kind of kept him out there just because I'm kind of at ease and unease and mm-hmm. just you know so. We, uh, I wire, I said, okay, well, hold on, it'll just be a couple minutes. Uh, so it was about two or three minutes later, we got done, and uh, I went and I said, well, don't look like we're going to see anything tonight. And I walked up to the curb and I turned off the camera and took it off my wrist and put it in my pocket and uh, turned around and started to walk away with my back turned. And that's when this wild pop with the bright flash. Um, at first thought, we thought maybe it was a transformer. And then this. Um, All right, Chris, we're going to have to do a little. We're going to have to do a bit of a cliffhanger here because I have to take my network okay. news break at the bottom of the hour. Chris Brown Perfect. is our special Perfect. guest, Exxon Nation. We're talking about Chris's two encounters that he had in Oregon in August of 2011. My name's Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. We'll be back after the news. Don't go away. My name is Rob McConnell, and I would like to tell you about a very special lady that I have the pleasure of knowing, and that's Miss Sylvia Anthony. 
Sylvia Anthony believes the golden years are a time to gear up and get busy, not relax and take it easy. She has faced many hardships in her 84 years, but they have made her stronger and more determined. As founder and president of Sylvia's Haven, a shelter for women and their children near Boston, Sylvia has helped transform over 1,086 lives in the past 27 years, not only with housing, but also providing direction as to where they can go to develop the earning skills they want and need to live free from difficult domestic situations. Sylvia's Haven is everything to Sylvia Anthony, even calling it her magnificent obsession. Women who qualify for the program at Sylvia's Haven receive assistance via guidance counselors to find the appropriate job opportunity. Women and their children may remain at the housing for up to two years. At the end of this time, or sooner, a woman who is successfully employed and has an apartment or home may leave Sylvia's Haven to begin a new and independent life. Now this is where you come in to help make Sylvia's dream into a reality. Sylvia's dream is to have a Sylvia's Haven in every state to help as many women and their children as she can and to help this dream come true. A crowdfunding site has been established which can be accessed at www.sylviasdream.org. Now that's www.sylviasdream.org. With your financial help and support, Sylvia Anthony will continue to help those in their time of need, not only in the Boston area, but with her dream of having a Sylvia's Haven in... Children in Ukraine have been wounded and are traumatized by the violence. UNICEF is on the ground providing health, hygiene and critical emergency supplies. Please go to unicef.org to donate now. Thank you. Every state of the United States. Your help is needed to make Sylvia's dream come true. Please visit and give at www.sylviasdream.org. Once again, www.sylviasdream.org. And remember, the only difference between a dream and reality is just doing it. We need your help to make Sylvia's dream come true. Visit www.sylviasdream.org Once again, www.sylviasdream.org For the Exxon Radio TV show and the X Chronicles newspaper, I am Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon Radio TV show with Rob McConnell on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our worldwide family of broadcast affiliates. If you have a question for Rob McConnell or his guest, or if you've had a paranormal experience, call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 0, or email exxon at xzoneradiotv.com. On all social media sites, our one address is... X Zone Radio TV. Let you out into the world 
closing time Turn all of the lights on Over every boy and every girl Closing time One last call for alcohol So finish your whiskey Welcome back everyone. Chris Brown is our guest this hour here in the X-Zone. We're talking to Chris about his two experiences of a close encounter that he had Two separate dates. We're looking at August the 18th, 2011, and then August the 26th, 2011. And um, Chris, I, I find it very strange that uh, that this UFO sighting that you had on the 18th was in restricted airspace. And I have to ask you at this point, during... Or after your sighting, did you notice any military aircraft in the sky? Yeah, I did. After after the first sighting, um, I did. I noticed them, and, and uh, I couldn't see them, but I heard them. So it that probably maybe be maybe about ten minutes, maybe afterwards, okay. right around there, shortly. Now this this UFO that you saw at about ten minutes to nine. Yes, uh, Pacific time. Did it have any any navigational lights on that you could see? No, all I could see was just the lights uh, around around the craft that were um, that were circled around it. Okay, <clears throat> they seemed to be kind of going counterclockwise from each other, blue and red. Okay, now let's let's get back. Let's get to your second sighting. Now you, it's. Uh, Oh, about a week later, it's the 26th, and you hear the, you're outside, and you hear this cracking noise as if a, a light bulb has popped. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it did. It sounded like if you took a light bulb and it hit, you throw it on the ground and it makes that noise. Yeah. Um, I turned around at that point in time, I thought a transformer went out was the first thing that went in my mind. I kind of jumped back a little bit and then this, uh, well, all I can say it was this like, uh, bubble, like, uh, it was about maybe the size of a semi truck tire. It was, um, it was spinning backwards, like going forward. It was white on the outer rim of it, like an electrical current, kind of a, a white, and it mixed in with um, a bluish, uh, greenish, because kind of the the inside of it was kind of a teal color. Mm-hmm. Inside of it was uh, all around was floating this golden dust. There was so much of it; it looked like a static TV. It, there was so much in it. It was floating around this. I'd say about a beach ball size clear ball it wasn't moving fast it was moving the pace about a about a a fast walk it was about six feet from us uh it was going over the road where they tore up the cable and put in new fiber optic uh wires a couple years back where you could see it it was sucking the power well it looked like it did because it was a Power was was coming from the uh, from the road, sucked up, seemed to be sucking it up into it. Uh, inside of it, where all the crystal or the golden dust was floating around, there's that clear ball. It was 
like I say, it was about the size of a beach ball. Mm-hmm. In the middle of it, we first thought, we thought maybe it was like another, like a, like a ruby, I guess, the red one. At first, another stone or something. Uh, but it wasn't until it moved away from us and we could see it from behind that we noticed that it was in a teardrop shape. And it looked like some type of liquid because it was, the orb was spinning. It was spinning really super fast. It was making a kind of a chopping noise. Not real fast. Mm-hmm. It went. Um, it went probably about twenty-five feet away. It sat there. It, it spun for a second, and we were just just so zoned in on what's happening, still trying to figure out what it is. Kind of. It went over the iron plate manhole cover. It seemed to arc. It made the same pop noise that it did when it came shooting right next to us. Um, it seemed to shoot, uh, there's a power, power line right there. It seemed to maybe shoot off and hit the power line and maybe arc off of that again, because there's sparks that came off the, the transformer on the power pole. And, uh, it just took off both of us at the same time or the same time go, Whoa. And really it was really a heavy duty thing for my boy. He kind of got scared and well, he almost wanted to cry. So, uh, anyway, so it was right at that time when that that it it shot off that uh, my wife's friend was here. She opened the door. We thought for sure that she had seen it, mm-hmm. and she didn't see it. And so, you know, you, you, it's one of these things where you want to sit back and you want to say, "Well, you're just going to go and you're going to tear into her and you're going to say, hey, this just happened." But it was such an incredible thing that literally you're just high on life and when she came out I really can't remember what I said to her I just was just just dazed with oh my god what did I see so now you, you, she got you, in said, the car. you said you were high on life I just was I mean I you mean I just was just I was still trying to take it all in okay. on what had just happened, you know, I just was, well, I, was yeah, I was really just in, I just was in a whole other state of mind at that point in time. So how many, how many orbs were there during the second sighting? Just one orb? There was just one orb. Okay. And there was one UFO during the first sighting? One, uh, well, actually there was two UFOs and an orb. On the first sighting. Okay. Um, yeah, because I seen that when I when I ran back and I seen on the first sighting and I seen the well look like a star, and it was going in space. And then I ran back, and when I ran back to, to try to get a better look, mm-hmm. and then that's when I was saying there was a craft that went over the neighborhood in no fly zone, and then it went over there to the other side of the field. And it sat there kind of for a second. It got bright, and then it just disappeared. Now, we we checked all the newspapers. No reports whatsoever. We checked with the media in the area of Salem, Oregon. No reports. We checked with the sheriff. No reports. We checked with the FAA. No reports. We checked with the Air Force. No reports. We checked with the National UFO Reporting Center. No reports. 
My question to you is, how could something this big not be seen and not reported? Um, well, on the first encounter, the neighbors, uh, I, uh, not all the way down with the second encounter, but on the first encounter, uh, the neighbor's uh, friends seen the disc mm-hmm. the night I seen it, when I seen it go off, and they watched it for about, they said 45 minutes, and they tried to get video of it, and they couldn't get video because they were out of service, and they were up at the mountain. So, but, but if somebody's yeah. watching that something of that size and that significant... Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they pick up the phone and call 911? You know, I thought about it. I thought about calling myself. Mm-hmm. It just was such an amazing thing. And Did you feel that? that I, didn't want, I didn't want to make waves in my neighborhood. I really didn't want the cops over here. I'll be honest. But, but you, so. you, you've, gone, you've gone and contacted every radio show. You want your story out there. But why wouldn't you call yeah. the police and file a report the night it was there to get something to to validate your 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 sighting? You know that clicks in my mind a million times, uh-huh. and it's would have, could have, should have. And really, I'll be honest with you, I I'm not, I never been into the UFO thing too much, or and and I really just didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. And um, I did get a hold of, of um, Peter Davenport, and I did submit my my UFO um, case to him, and I have a number, and I did get a hold of him, and I got a hold of MUFON. They came over two days. I called them two days after it happened, mm-hmm. and um, then they came over, and then I waited for my report to come out, and then it took a couple months, and then when my report came out, I just went where my brain could only think, and I sent it to the news here. Um, they denied me. I talked to the one guy. I called her up, and oh wow, wow, that's. Well, let me get back to you. Of course, she never she never wrote back, and mm-hmm. well, I actually had to call back. That was it. Well, sorry, it just uh, I sent my report into MSN.com, and I. You know, I, I tried to do what I could do to do it, and I the Expose my encounter, and All right, maybe but, I could have went more directions. But you know, here, here, this, this is, these are just questions I'm asking you now. All right, I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to be uh, anything but honest. You live, yeah, in I a, understand. Huh? You you live in an area that you know is a no-fly zone because you're near a military installation. You see something, and your neighbors see something that obviously you identify as non-military. And nobody calls the Air Force, nobody calls the Sheriff's Department, nobody does anything. Why? Mm -hmm. Was it because you... It's such an incredible thing. Okay. It's such an incredible thing at that point in time, and I live in such a small town that everybody pretty much knows everybody. And but let me ask you. you know, let me ask you I, this. Let, it let, was let, a new. I just had kind of moved here, and it was such an incredible thing. And all right, let me ask you this: You live in a small town, yeah. right? 
Did anybody else in town see the same thing? Not anybody that I that I talked to. All right, now around you, around my block. Uh-huh. When I when I was talking to you earlier this afternoon, I asked you why you were contacting the media, why you were wanted to get on the radio, and you said because you wanted to make you wanted to you wanted to make your place in history. You wanted to to make a stance. You you wanted to be known for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I did. I feel that... I just, like I said before, I, you know, when I did this, I, I had never heard this happening, mm-hmm. and I just was trying to help everybody out, you know? Because I didn't think... I'd never heard of this happening before. Mm-hmm. And I didn't... I didn't... I just was... I just thought I was doing everybody a favor, and I there was the would've, could've, should've, and... Okay, I could have called the cops and I could have did that, but it was such a—it was such an incredible thing. It was no. Would have, could have, should have. All right. When the craft started moving, did it move towards the Air Force Base or away from the Air Force Base? Um, away, away. Um, it went east and then away toward uh, Macaulay Mountain, which was mm-hmm. where uh, the neighbors friends seen it where they were camping at and that's away from it probably another 15 miles away from the airport now did the ufo make any noise as it was as it was moving did you feel any? did you feel an electrical discharge did you feel as if something something was trying to communicate with you mm -hmm, i did i felt i felt electrical charge in the air I don't know if it was trying to communicate mm-hmm. with me or what. I just know I felt a heavy uh, current in the air, and I and I and it felt like that on my my second encounter, and um, my my teeth hurt. Matter of fact, because I have I have fillings in my right. mouth, mercury fillings from when I was a kid, and they hurt really bad. My teeth were sensitive for a while after that was on the second encounter. Listen, we've got to get ready to go to our final break here, Chris. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. What do you Mm -hmm. think or what do you believe in your heart of hearts you and your son witnessed in in August of 2011? You know, I I just, my mind hits me all the time. I, of course, after this happened, I read mm-hmm. stuff on this technology. I never heard of a clear ball or anything like that before. So maybe it was an alien. You know, it's so hard to tell. And no, <laughs> coming from such a, you know, a, a big thing. So I really couldn't tell you. I, it sensed to me. It felt to me very alien. All right. Stand by, um, Chris. You and I have to take our final break. Nation. Chris uh, Brown is our special guest. I told you, this is a story firsthand from a man who claims to have had two close encounters. One on August the 18th, 2011, the second with his son on August the 26th, 2011, in restricted airspace in Oregon. We'll be back, don't go away.
With each new extreme weather event or terrorist act, it becomes increasingly obvious that we live in uncertain and challenging times. We all buy car insurance. Why not collapse and catastrophe insurance? Matthew Stein, an MIT-trained engineer and green builder, has written two outstanding books to help people prepare, plan for, and deal with everything from minor situations lasting a few days to full-on collapse. Matt's first book, When Technology Fails, is a manual for self-reliance, sustainable living, and surviving the long emergency. This massive book covers the gamut from first aid and emergency preparedness to alternative healing, renewable energy, primitive living skills, and 18th century technologies that could be critical to your comfort and survival in a long-lasting crisis. Matt's second book, When Disaster Strikes, is a comprehensive emergency preparedness handbook and survival guide. When Disaster Strikes is an essential item for every family's go-bag. Both books are available at all usual sources. There's a wealth of totally free information posted at whentechfails.com and author-signed copies may be purchased at mattstein.com. That's www.whentechfails.com and www.mattstein.com. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You know what, Exonation, this is an appropriate song for our guest this hour, Chris Brown, Rebel Rebel, because this guy's a rebel. He just didn't let this go by. He went, he contacted MUFON. He tried to contact other talk show hosts to tell his story. The part that Chris isn't telling you, and, I, and I'm going to tell you in a way with that I'll also you know, keep face over here, is that the top shows that I know the hosts very well. You know, I've been on their show, they've been on my show. 
didn't even have the courtesy to return his emails. Here you've got somebody who's saying, listen, this is what happened. I'm, I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for help. Can you help me? Can you point me in the right direction? Nothing. He sent an email to Nick Pope. Everybody knows Nick. Well-respected. And um, Nick Pope sent him back an email. Nick Pope took the time to send him an email. So what we're going to do, ExoNation, in two weeks, we're going to have Chris Brown back on the show with us. We're going to make it a two-hour special. We're going to bring people on the show that can try and give Chris answers. He deserves answers. Anyone else who has a UFO sighting or a ghost sighting or has any kind of encounter or experience outside the realm of our established three-dimensional world that we have enclosed ourselves with deserves answers. And if I can't help him get answers, something's wrong. Not only as as a talk show host, not only as an ex-cop, but as a human being. Chris, we're going to do everything we can to help you, buddy. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It means it means the world to me. You know, I had the opportunity, Chris, of talking with you for an hour this afternoon. You touched me. Your honesty. I hear the I hear fear in your voice. I hear compassion in your voice. I hear questions. We'll do everything we can. That I can promise you. What would you like appreciate to appreciate it so much? What would you like we've got about a minute left here, Chris. What would you like to tell the Exxon Nation tonight? What's what's your final mem- message for them? Well, definitely uh, cover your groundwork if something like this ever happens and take all the right steps to get mm-hmm. your story out there and um, more, hopefully more people will come out if this happened to somebody else. Maybe they're afraid to, to, to say what what had happened, maybe my, my encounter might might bring that out. So what you're saying yeah, is you know, maybe believe in yourself. Don't be believe afraid. Believe in yourself. Chris, stand don't by. Don't All right, buddy. Chris, stand by. I want to talk to you off air for a minute before you hang up, so don't go away. Exonation. Nation, Chris Brown is my guest this hour. A brave man with one hell of a story. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the X Zone. Don't go away.